Hello and welcome back. My name is Luke and you're listening to another episode of the Next Stage podcast by Web Summit, taking you inside the minds of business and cultural leaders from around the world. It's Wednesday, and every Wednesday we're looking at some of the best and brightest minds that Web Summit has to offer. So sit back, relax, and listen in as we hear from the leading minds and industry giants from all over the planet. Well, Cindy, um, I'm really glad to be chatting to you today um, at Web Summit about this very important topic. But first, I'd just like to say congratulations to you on celebrating 30 years of the EFF. Uh, I know you've kicked off those celebrations last month. So um, I guess the world we live in now is is completely different to the world um, that was around when EFF was founded. Um, But to some extent, I guess the, the things that you guys are fighting for um, are still very much the same things. Um, and, you know, you were heavily involved in the first battle to kind of take encryption out of the hands of government, and you're still fighting government and the, the latest act in Congress um, at the moment to fight encryption. But what I want to kick off with is maybe for the people who are watching, how do you think about data privacy, data ownership, data control in 2020 at the moment? And how should we be thinking about it? Yeah, I think that, um, I think I do think about it a little differently than some of the popular conceptions of it. Um, first, you know, I think there's a lot of framing around this. I think this, this session is titled, Who Owns Your Data? Um, I, I actually think that's the wrong question. Um, I think the question is who controls your data. And while those might seem to be the same thing, um, they're actually not in some pretty important ways. Um, ownership, um, you know, you already own your data most of the time in terms of kind of some kind of uh, version of ownership, but often you don't control it because you click it away in that click wrap moment uh, for most of the services that you use. Um, and um, so it, it doesn't matter. You, the, the, the ownership is not making a difference, uh, whether it's there or it's not, if you can just click it away. Um, I prefer thinking about controlling your data. And controlling your data means that we can put it beyond the scope of a simple click wrap agreement. Um, and we can say that there are some situations in which your control just cannot be wrested from you. It can't be taken from you. Um, it, it, sometimes maybe not at all, but certainly not with a click wrap kind of agreement. Um, I think the other way I think about it is, to me, there's a, when we think about your data, we need to think about it both in terms of the companies, um, whether you're developing a company or you're working with a company, the companies that have the data about you or that you create um, versus the cops and when the cops can get it. And EFF has spent a lot of its time from the very beginning of the organization really trying to set set the rules for when the cops have access to your data in the right place using the Constitution and other things, that battle is ongoing. I think what's happened uh, in the last 30 years is now we also need to really, really focus on the companies that have your data because they've done a a lot of things to try to turn that into something that you don't control and that often really is used against you. And like They they seem to be very much interwoven um, because the cops use the company, the data that the companies control to, to... um, you know, get more information about about users, um, sometimes in very dangerous and troubling ways. Um, and, you know, we've seen, for example, in China, where companies are beholden to the government, they can't basically can't operate in the country without being 
having to give out complete access to, to user data. Um, do you think that, because obviously Facebook and Google and Twitter, you know the companies we're used to, are in a very difficult position where on the one hand they have to obey the law, but on the other hand they say they want to protect consumers. Uh, do you understand the difficult position they're in, or do you think that they should be doing better to protect the people whose information they control? Well, I think they could do better, but I also get that there's a difficult position. I mean, I think that um, we need to change some of the laws, um, and we need to change some of the way the technologies are structured and built. Uh, um, in the, you know, in the in the context of the United States, for instance, we can talk about China in a minute, but in the context of the United States, we have these legal doctrines. One of them is called the third party doctrine um, that EFF has been fighting since, yeah. since I joined. Um, and the third party doctrine says that when you give data to a company, whether that's your cell phone company that has your location, because you, know, you want the phone to ring where you are, um, or your ISP that has, um, you know, all you know or, or Facebook that has your contacts um, all of the non-content data that those companies have um, are you've waived your your constitutional protections for them because you you've given them to a third party um, so if the United States doesn't recognize your privacy rights in those kinds of in that kind of data it's pretty hard to turn around and say China ought to. so I think that we need to we need to fix the law here um, and then when it comes to places like China or increasingly Turkey and some other other countries, it's, it's not just China, um, we do need to ask companies to think carefully about where are they storing the data? You know, what, what are they having access to? And is there a way that they could limit what they have so that they aren't, you know, the vector of, um, of, of human rights abuses um, uh, for their users? Um, mm -hmm. You know, at this point, with regard to that, I mean, I would tell you that we're fighting a first battle on that. This is a little away from our topic, but we're just trying to get the company, a lot of tech companies to stop building those tools of surveillance. You know, Cisco built the Great Firewall of China. Uh, we have a PowerPoint from them where they're they're touting to the great to the Chinese authorities how great they are at identifying Falun Gong. And that's a religious minority, you know, you know, substitute Christians there. And you can see the real danger of building a tool that, you know, uses, you know, all sorts of technologies to try to identify your religion. So but I, I definitely, I definitely feel the pain of some of the companies here, but I also just want to point out that like, they're not all innocent in this. Some of them are active co-conspirators in these kinds of things. And we, we really do need to create accountability there. Sure, absolutely. And we've seen, I guess, the militarization of the police force in the US and companies like Palantir who've come to the fore, who have deep links to political parties and the Washington establishment. Um, like, are you, in your dealings with, I guess, uh, lawmakers in, in Washington, do you get a sense that people there really want to change the law? Do they understand what it means to change the law? Is there kind of a, an understanding there that this is an important thing? Because obviously I'm in Europe and we have GDPR and while it's not perfect, it's definitely a better um, situation than it is in the US in terms of protecting people's privacy. Um, do you think that there's both a willingness and an understanding in Washington um, on both sides of the aisle to, to to change things? Well, I think that, first of all, the GDPR has really got some great things. Um, it doesn't 
have anything to say about the law enforcement piece of this. So I just want to be clear. Sometimes sure. I talk to Europeans and they think that the European approach to privacy is, is you know, kind of the whole thing. And um, the GDPR is not the whole thing. It's just the company part. It's important and, and mm -hmm. I'm very supportive of it, but I just want to put a note in there. Some of the data protection stuff gets at law enforcement, which is good. But, um, but yeah, I think in the United States, you know, we're talking on the eve of an election. So this could change. Um, we're recording this a little early, but I would say that there is a broad understanding in Washington, D.C. that this stuff matters and that they need to do something about it. I would say that the what do we do about it is widely, widely different. And so... You know, the part where everybody recognizes we need to change is um, really an important part. But I would say that there is nothing even remotely like widespread agreement about what needs to change. You know, right now we have a lot of the Republicans in Congress who want the companies to be um, uh, to be less censorious and um, and and less less um, moderating what they say. Um, you have the Democrats, largely, who want the companies to do more of that. Now, that's in the content moderation context. In the context of the data and privacy, again, I think I think that the, that while there's a lot of people pounding the table and saying they're concerned about data uh, privacy, there is not yet shared understanding in the federal legislation about what, what exactly we ought to do and why. Um, you know, California has a, a privacy bill, a privacy law, uh, yeah. the California Consumer Privacy Act, that is a little like the GDPR. It's actually quite a bit like it. It's got some key differences. Um, so states are starting to move on this. And, I, I, you know, I'm not very good at crystal ball predictions because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm more of a, you know, activist lawyer than I am a, you know, sit back and predict the future kind of person. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think that we'll probably see more in the states, in the United States, than we will see federally. I think the feds will trail. Um, but, you know, for instance, uh, Illinois has a very good biometric privacy bill. Um, and that law, I, had, I keep saying bill, but it got passed. Um, we follow these things all the way through. Sometimes I mm -hmm. forget to change the words. But, uh, but the biometric privacy law in Illinois has been tremendously important in addressing some of Facebook's use of facial recognition without people's consent. Um, and other kinds of the, the kind of biometric part of your data, right, that, that is being kept. So, um, so there's some state laws that are great. There's more um, interest in the state legislatures than there used to be, and EFF does a lot of supporting uh, activist groups across the country who are working on these issues. Um, at the moment, we've, we've kind of, over the 30 years that the EFF has been around, we've, we've seen these kind of, um, giant companies emerge and whose entire business model is around collecting data to sell you ads essentially that's their entire business model so they're not going to turn around tomorrow and stop collecting your data and targeting you with ads um, and you know doing stuff with your data that may be questionable but there are companies who are starting up today and a lot of them are here, you know are here at Web Summit and, and listening to this how would you, if you were able to talk to them, and you are, I guess, how would you kind of talk to them about how they should think about data and how it affects their company and their customers? 
Well, I think that the, I think that, um, thank you, because it's a really important question. There are a growing number of companies that are, you know, profitable um, using a different model than the kind of, um, you know, I think it's called surveillance capitalism, the, the, the kind of massive surveillance business model. Um, you know, DuckDuckGo in the context of search, there's a, there's a, you know, uh, there are um, company, you know, Mozilla in the context of a browser, um, there are there are other companies as well who are you know and there's a you know fledgling type efforts to do this in in almost everything and I think that uh, you know there's there's a lot of work being done. Um, the Internet Archive hosts the Distributed Web Summit, which is intentionally aimed at, at 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 little startups and people who are trying to get away from the centralized platform focused of of the current internet to a more distributed model. I think that it's really important um, for you know, people who are thinking about companies to think about, you know, striking out in a slightly different direction. First of all, I don't think you're going to be able to compete with the big companies. I mean, you know, the, the VCs are right. There's a kill zone around these big companies. I think that the, the, the pressure that we try to put on them is a pressure towards interoperability. Um, specifically, you know, what we call competitive compatibility, really pushing on these companies um, and also on lawmakers to create situations in which, frankly, the customers can leave. You know, mm -hmm. uh, they can take their data and go, or they can be additive, right? I, if I only want to go to Facebook to talk to my grandmother and then I don't want the rest of my social network there, I should be able to do that. Like, there's, there's, there's plenty of technological ways we could do that, but we're finding that, you know, the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act, the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, those end-user license agreements I mentioned, um, and then just the general environment is getting in the way of people doing this. So, you know, my colleague Cory Doctorow has written a lot about competitive compatibility. It's also called adversarial interoperability. But I think if you're a young startup right now, you should really be looking for and supporting ways that people can actually come to you, um, can bring their data to you, can bring their, their networks to you and use use your services in ways that really empower them and offer them a better a better choice but I I don't think that I think we need to combine this with some changes in the law and changes in norms you know and changes in in policies around these kinds of things to free up that space so um, but I think there's a big effort now to try to do it there's a lot of support we're seeing increasing numbers of you know frankly the the VC community saying you know how do I how do I support oh. something that's different than this world? So I think that's where people should be looking because somebody's going to eat their lunch. Somebody oh. is going to eat those big guys' lunch. And it may take a little while. The Justice Department has just sued Google. Um, it may take a while to set the table for that, but I think you want to be ready for when, yeah. for when that happens because I think it's coming. Okay. Um, Cindy, it was so good to talk to you. I could talk to you for another hour. Uh, but unfortunately, we have to wrap up. And um, congratulations again on the 30-year anniversary of the AFF. And I hope you, uh, it's going to be around for another 30 years fighting for um, consumers' uh, rights in the digital space. Um, but now we'll head back to Lisbon for more from the Web Summit. Thanks for listening. And if you want to hear more about these topics firsthand, or you want to let us know what you want to hear, be sure to check us out on any of our social media accounts or visit websummit.com. That's websummit.com.